listen to this message, you will be challenged and encouraged through God's Word. Here at Heartsease Family Life Church, it has always been our desire to see people's lives totally impacted and changed. His Word promises to accomplish that. For more information in regards to our church, you can call us at 225-274-1607 or visit us on the web at www.hflc.us. We look forward to hearing from you. Be blessed now as you listen to God's Word. lot better with you. We weren't made to do life on our own. So, so excited as we begin our Self We series. Excited about that. Wow, these lights are something else, aren't they? We're playing with some new lights and getting them set out. And sorry for wearing the brightest shirt that I could possibly wear today. Um, Just wanted to make sure that you were clued in and focused in on what we're doing. So, why the name, Pastor? Why Self we. The reason why we're calling it self-we is because we have believed that as people today, we have been taught a massive lie about love. And if we don't get love right, everything else is going to suffer. And if you don't believe me, just look at the state of marriages around us now. Just look at our homes. Just look at families. Look what's taking place in this world right now. And please understand, I'm not trying to be negative and start the message off in a negative way. But I am just stating the obvious that something has to change. Something has to change. And here's what needs to change. This would solve every problem in relationships throughout the entirety of the world. And the thing that needs to change is we need to lose the I and find the we. We need to lose the I and we need to find the we. It's not an I thing. Love has never been an I thing. It's a we thing. And we've got to be careful that in our relationships, in our marriages, when we make it singular, it's going to be the beginning of massive problems because God never created us to be on our own. So it's never been an I thing to God. It's always a we thing. And listen to me, we starts with relationship with God. We starts at relationship with God. So we're going to discover the truth about love over the next few weeks. We're going to be looking at it. We're going to discover that today can be our happy ever after. And the title that we're using for this message is The Three of Us. I didn't say that wrong. Look at that. Because the we is God has to be in the center of our lives and the center of our homes. You may say, well, there's not the three of us. That would be just the three of us right now, just the two of us. Maybe so. But in the future, it's going to be the three. And we are preparing people for not only where they're at, but we're preparing people for where they're going. And next week, we're going to talk about being a part of a winning team. Who wants to be part of a winning team? 
Want to be part of a winning team? Support the Denver Broncos tonight. You'll be part of a winning team. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. And Jesus loves the Broncos. Amen. Because we're going to come from heaven riding on white horses. It's scriptural. It's biblical. It's, it's just, it's got to be God. I mean, but we're going to be talking about next week being on the winning team. Make a commitment to be. Who's been watching the devotions every night? Fantastic. If you haven't, get clued in and that. But in the culture that we live in around us today, the quest for Mr. or Mrs. Wonderful can take us in many different ways, through many different emotions, the highs and the lows, as most people look and search for someone to complete them. My soulmate. I'm looking for that perfect one. And we quote scriptures like this, Matthew 7, 7 and 8. Ask, and it will be given you glory. Hallelujah. Seek, and I'm going to find. Come on. Praise God, I've been asking, and I'm going to get. Knock, and it will be opened to you. Some people say, kick the door down if I have to. It's going to happen for everyone who asks, receives, and to him who seeks what finds, and to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Well, that's what Jesus said, and I'm just believing it. And that's good, and you should. It's mine, and I want it now. But you've got to be careful that what you're asking for is what God wants for your life. Because everyone thinks that to be truly happy, you've got to find the right one. You see, if you're single, you're seeking that person who you are certain will meet your every need. If you're married, all you want is for your spouse you already have just to step up once and for all and meet every need that you expected them to do. You know, why are they being stubborn? Why won't they just do what I want them to do, what I need them to do, and then I'll finally be happy? It's amazing in those few statements I just met, mentioned, it's amazing how many you's we just read there. And you's is another way to say I. If you will just do, then I will be happy. If you will just watch out, because singular is not God. Singular is not God. So be honest today, deep down inside of each of our hearts, we believe and really believe that we will never be completely fulfilled until we find the one. And the reason why we feel that way is because that's 100% actually true, but not according to the love lie, the lie of love. Too many of us now, our answered prayer becomes a changed prayer. Let me say that again. For many of us, our answered prayer has become a changed prayer. You need that to sink in. You got everything that you asked for, but now all of a sudden, your answered prayer becomes a changed prayer because now you're praying a prayer like this, God I'm not so sure anymore. But I'm asking you, please change my spouse to be the person I know they can be so someone can complete me. God, I sure hope you're listening. Thank you. Amen. What has happened? Why has an answered prayer, I got everything I ever wanted. 
now become a change prayer. God, would you change what I always wanted to be now what I need? Can you see the reason why is we're looking at the wrong source? Man, woman, was never meant to be the source of our lives. We believe they are the one only to be disappointed over and over and over again because no matter how hard we try, we will never fully meet the expectations of each other. It doesn't mean we quit. It doesn't mean we don't try. But if I am Kelly's source and she is my source, I'm going to run dry sometimes. She's going to run dry sometimes because we are not a continual source. God is the only one that can be the source of our lives. And while it's true that you do need to find the one to be truly complete, that one has to be God. It has to be God. Anything else can only be, or anyone else rather, can only be your two because God must be your one. And this isn't just church talk. This isn't just, okay, it sounds good for church. This is truth, period, in your life because proper order in your life is vital for success. And please note, this isn't just for married people. Don't check out with me if you're unmarried. If you're in a relationship, kind of, sort of, this is for every one of you, whatever stage of life you are in, whatever, whenever, this is for you because it's going to help you to be the two now or in the future that you need to be. This is an important fundamental principle. I love that word fundamental or two words, fundamental principles. Do you realize what the thought fundamental principles is? A fundamental principle is a truth upon which others depend. means if you don't get it right, it's almost like an analogy at school. If you just want to jump straight in at ninth grade, you're going to suffer because you need to know the math that you've learned in third, fourth, fifth, sixth grade. You can't just jump in and expect it. You've got to learn those truths that every year things are added and things are changed and things are given. But it's on a truth that has already been established. If you don't know how 2 plus 2 equals 4, you're never going to understand other things in math. There's fundamental principles. And fundamental principles that we're talking about here is that we must maintain in our lives is this. God has to be number one of your life. God has to be number one at your life. Look at God's word because truth matters. And God's word is truth. Matthew 22 verse 36. Here's a Pharisee. Here's an expert in Hebrew law. He comes to Jesus and he asks a question. I, I love this. How much better would our lives be if we came to Jesus and asked instead of being an expert and tell him? I wonder how many times we come to Jesus and tell him what needs to happen because I'm the expert. I know what needs to happen in my life. What do we see? The greatest expert that we could ever be is to say, God, I ask you. I ask you. And he asks Jesus and he says these words. He says, Jesus, what is the greatest commandment in the law? 
The law is the instruction, the way they should live life. What is it? What's the number one thing I need to do? Listen to me, to be successful and pleasing to God. Really, he's asking, what's the thing that I must do? What is it, that one thing? And Jesus says to him, there's no hesitation. Jesus didn't say, hold on a second, let me just think about it. Let me call up dad and just talk to him and ask what we think. Jesus knew straight away and knows what is the most important thing. And Jesus said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Who first? God. Love God with everything. With all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength. Notice he didn't say your spouse. Notice he didn't say prepare that spot for your future spouse. Notice he didn't even say yourself. Because a lot of people have a problem with that. They love themselves more than anything else. I love myself. Look at me. I'm great. He didn't say those things, but he said, God is the one that you must love first. And then he goes on just as importantly, verse 38 and 39, he says, this is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second is just like it. In other words, the second depends upon you getting the first one right. And the second one is this, you shall love your neighbor, others, those around you, as you do yourself. Just in case you didn't get it, and I hope you did, God says, I need to be the number one of your life. God says, you need to make me the number one of your life. He's your source, and you will never leave disappointed with God. Again, man's source is limited. God's source is a limitless supply. He's the person you need to reach out to with all your heart first because he's the one that will complete your soul, your desires, your appetites. Where's all the unmarried people in the house? Let me see all the unmarried in the house. Come on, keep your hand up. Just look around. That's all the people who are available right now. Just doing you a favor. Just doing you a favor. Just do something. When you get married and have kids, just name them Philip. If it's a boy, middle name. That's cool. That's cool. Cool. Come on. Some people are still keeping their hands up. I'm, I'm with this, Pastor. Hello. 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 I'm, I'm, I'm still there. I'm still there. I want to talk to all the unmarried people first. But married, don't check out because the principles are still the same. Here's what I want to see every unmarried person. And I called it unmarried instead of single. I like it better, unmarried instead of single. Because you're not single. Or if you are single, you've got a problem. We're going to discover it's not the I, but it's the we. It's God. We've got to be joined together with God. So all the unmarried, write this down. This is what you need to live by. You need to put it on your mirror. You need to put it on the dash of your car. Don't cover the speedometer. So when the police officer pulls you over, says, man, I'm sorry. I didn't know the pastor gave me this big verse and this big quote, and I've got it plastered all over. That's not going to get you out of a ticket. Okay, But you need to write this down somewhere really big and bold. Look at this. I will seek the one while I prepare for my two. I'm going to seek the one. My priority is seeking the one while I pre- prepare, which will prepare me for my two. You see, if you're not married, 
You need to follow Christ. Above anything else, you should honor God. Honor God with your life. You should live to love Him, to seek Him, to get to know Him, to seek to please Him, to live by His Spirit. Everything and anything you do, say that you are, should be bringing glory to God. Don't seek a spouse. Seek God. Seek God. That's where we get it wrong. We seek a spouse and then throw God in the mix and say, God, would you bless it? Put me first, God says, and I'll take care of the rest. Quit seeking a spouse. Well, I'm desperate. Watch out because when you're desperate, desperate measures produce desperate results. You'll grab anyone and anything that comes across your path, label it as God because you happen to be at the Starbucks at the same time. That's not God's. You just live close to each other and that was on the way to work. It's not a God thing. Quit trying to make God things of everything. Seek God. Seek God, not a spouse. Because if you get that wrong, you get everything wrong. Because if you get the wrong person, the wrong person will not produce the right results in your life. And watch out that you don't allow your emotional needs to begin to take over your life because loneliness will have you looking for love in the wrong places. Despair, anguish, it will have you looking in the seek God. If you're lonely, be in prayer encounter on Saturday morning and have a relationship with God. Open up your Bible every day and read and pray. Seek God first and you will never be disappointed. You don't believe me? Then let's read God's word. Matthew 6.33. But seek ye first. Say with me first because order matters. The kingdom of God and His way. His righteousness. And guess what? All these things will be added. When you seek a spouse, things will be subtracted and divided from your life. Put God first. He says everything will be added to your life. He's an additional God. And when you get the additional part God done, God says, let me go to the multiplication part. And it just gets better and better and better. Look at mum and dad, 46 years of marriage. If you watch them on Periscope last night, they're like a couple of teenagers looking at each other. And I'm laughing when my dad was talking about how awesome mum was. She's looking at him and just nodding and going, you, you better believe it. Preach it, brother. Preach it. Preach it. I wish you could have seen under the table. She's kicking him saying, keep it going, brother. She's winding the handle at the back. But hey, I love that. Why? Because they sought God. God brought them together. Now they're not just living in the addition. They're living in the multiplicational blessings of God. You want that for your life? You seek God. Oh, but pastor. No, oh, but pastor. Seek God. Well, how long is it going to take? Don't worry about it. Seek God. Seek God with everything that you have. Your focus cannot be on fun and just living life. Because that's what the world tells you. You want to find someone, then go out fishing where they're at. Watch what bait you're using, because the bait you use is going to be the fish you catch. (laughs) Well, I'm going to go in the clubs and I'm going to get them saved. Well, hey, 
let's just see how that goes. You're going to probably find yourself in the clubs and you're going to find yourself in the pastor's office six months after marriage saying, I don't know what happened. I'm disappointed. They've gone back drinking. They've gone back carrying around. They've been unfaithful to me. Come on, where you're hunting is what you're going to find. Don't be disappointed. And it's not an excuse to say, well, I guess, you know, get it right, right now. If you will listen to this message, it's going to save you months, years, a lifetime of anguish and pain. The world says it's all right to sleep around. The world says you've got to try a car out before you buy it. Let me tell you something. That's a lie of this world. You seek God first. You seek Him. You don't have to go in the world to find someone. You'd be on the front row at church with your hands in the air seeking God and God will bring the right one to you. Promise you that. I promise you that. Well, you know, I I believe that, but I'm just going to throw this out on the internet too because I'm just, you either seek God or you don't. You're either seeking Him or you're not. Put God first. Because only when we get the first and greatest commandment right, God first, can we move on to the second? And that is what? Successfully living that out and loving someone else. Look what it says. You have to receive His love first before you can give His love. You've got to know love before you can give love. And God is love. I'm reminded of our story. Some of you know Kelly and I's story. It's a great story and I wished I could tell more of it. But I remember what it was like. I, I was divorced. I, I was single, and obviously. And um, I'd been that way for four years. And I had two beautiful daughters at the time. And I, and I was getting lonely. I was finding myself just, I surrounded myself with all the right people. And, but it's amazing. You know what it's like even in a crowd. You can feel alone. And the enemy can make you feel alone. And he can make you start getting antsy and start seeking your own way and your own spouse. And I remember just even walking in the mall and I'd be walking in the mall and I would be saying, I wonder if my wife is in this mall today. And you'd walk around and you're like, well, she's pretty cute. And I wonder if she's married. You go into a restaurant. You find yourself being totally consumed by these thoughts. And I'm not talking about lustful thoughts. I'm just talking about consuming thoughts. And you're finding yourself consumed and and, and I was getting myself down. It wasn't helping me. It wasn't making me feel better. I was getting depressed. And it was not a good thing because that loneliness is a dangerous place. So finally one day I said, and I could take you right out in the parking lot, right there by where the guardrail goes round. I was walking one morning and I was praying outside and I said to God these words. She said, I said, you know what, God? I want someone for my life. I really do. But God, here's what I want more for my life. I want you. I want you. I'm tired of this. It's, it's, it's just tearing me apart. I, I'm consumed with this. It's depressing me. God, here's what I pray. God, I give you my life and I give everything to you. And I actually said these words. God, if, I, if you want me to be single for the rest of my life, God, I will do that because you are that important to me. And I said, God, if you want me to be with someone, you're going to have to drop them into my lap. That was the exact words I said. And little did I know, but now I've discovered 
that at the exact same time, almost down to the week of me praying that prayer, I didn't know that someone in Gonzales who was just widowed and lost a husband with three children was praying the same prayer. God, I'll be single for the rest of my life unless you drop someone into my lap. And God did. God brought Kelly and I together and it was a wonderful story and many hurdles and obstacles were crossed and passed. But God brought us together. And I believe that God brought us together because of the prayer that we prayed. Because we said, God, you first above anything else. And even in our heartache and our pain of what we had to go through to be where we were at, God used those things to perfectly position us to find each other, to be in the same country, to be in the same state, to be in the same area and the same city and to meet each other. God purposely positioned us so that now we could fall in love and be so happy together. And I'm standing before you right now and I promise I won't lie to you. I 100% believe today that it would have never happened if I hadn't not, if Kelly hadn't have prayed that prayer. God, I'm seeking you. God, I'm seeking you. Then God, whatever you desire, God, I'm happy with that. Would you just do that? It didn't mean that the loneliness went away when I prayed that prayer. It didn't mean that the desire went away. It just meant I had to constantly remind myself, hold on a second, God's my priority. He's the one I'm seeking for. And He's the one that will bless you. Young person, unmarried, please watch the lifestyle and the attitude you are living as it can be incredibly dangerous and preventing you from finding the kind of person you truly want to marry. Look at this. Don't expect from someone what you're not prepared to be. Don't expect to get from someone what you're not prepared to give. If you want something different to what you're seeing all around you today, then you've got to do something different than what everyone else is doing. If you want a spouse sold out to Christ, you devote yourself 100% to Christ. If you're single and you want to be married one day, then you become the kind of person that you would like to marry. Why? Because I will seek the one while I prepare for my two. Now all the married, wave at me all the married in the house. There you go. There you go. It's amazing, all the married in the house. You know what the statistics we've been given right now? 50%. Statistics are 50%, not good. That's not a good statistic if a pilot and you went to go on a plane and a pilot said to you, listen, ladies and gentlemen, just want you to know we're getting ready to leave to go to New York. In five minutes, the plane will be taken off. Just want you to know there's a 50% chance this plane's going to crash. You're not looking at the person beside you and saying, that's, that's good odds, I'll take that. You are fighting to get off that plane. You're not, you're not accepting those kind of odds. It, if there's a breaking news that if you use Old Spice deodorant, there's a 50% chance that you're going to have cancer, you aren't saying, well, hey, I like the smell of it. You're like, forget the smell. 
I'm going to find something else because I'm not, I'm not going to accept those odds. If you go to the bank and the banker says, you know, all that investment that you have here, like Jim said, there's a 50% chance you're going to be broke. You're like, give me that money. I'm going somewhere else. You wouldn't accept those odds in every other area of your life that matters. But when it comes to marriage, you say, oh, I guess that's how it's going to be. No, it's not how it's going to be. But you said it's a 50% chance. Yes, it is. But what if you change your behavior? What if you change your behavior? I'm telling you, you can change the odds of your marriage. We've got to find ways to improve our odds. And that is by changing our behavior. Quit doing the wrong things that you're doing and start something different. And here's the commitment that we want you to make as married people. And that is this. Are you ready? I will always seek the one with my two. Did you notice that? I will always seek God, but now with my two. I want to show you just something really quick. This is why I call it the triangle of love. Triangle of love. Okay? What you've got to understand is this is you and your spouse. We just put spouse number one, spouse two. On the top is God. Now, here's what I want to show you. We're seeking God. So as spouse one seeks God and they get a closer walk with God, they're moving closer to God. As spouse two gets a closer walk with God, they're moving closer to God because this is the direction they're going. Everyone with me with that? But notice what changes here. As we move closer to God, what happens to us? We're moving closer together. So think about what we can do if we get so close to God, what it does to each and every one of us. You see, that's why it's still important. Now I found my spouse, I I stopped seeking God. No, you keep seeking God. I can't seek God for Kelly. But together we can encourage each other and we're going to show you how to do that in a few moments. But as we grow, we grow closer to God. Seeking God is still the priority because it's that which brings us closer together. Our marriage will never be what God wants them to be unless we make Him still the number one of our life. And now it's the three of us with who at the center? God at the center of everything we do. The three of us is going to work every time. But you see, here's the problem now that we have in marriage is this. We know that perhaps God is the number one. But here's what we've got to remember. Number two is always our spouse. You see, the problem we can have if we don't watch in marriage is this. The other priorities of our life. Children can be a priority. Oh, hello. Children, work, school. See, all those things, they can be priorities. But here's the problem we have. You ready? The problem we have in marriage is when we take something from a place it's supposed to be and we put it into a place it's not supposed to be. So now our spouse is no longer our number two, but our children now become more important than our spouse. We can do that with many things. We can take our career and we can put it into a number two position. We can take our school and, and we can put it into another. We can take activities, we can take hobbies, we can take all these kind of things and we can put those into different positions. And if we don't watch 
We can get things out of whack and out of the order they need to be. Why is this important? Look at this statement. I I think this is such a powerful statement, and that is this. What we idolize outside of God, we will end up demonizing. If you idolize something, if children, work, school, if those things become the idol of your life, because they're not your source and you're going to be disappointed, as Pete said, kids are easy to love at 2, 13, 14. It gets a little bit of a challenge. We, we can see that in life. It gets challenging. There's challenges. But if we idolize and put something where it has no business to be, people are going to let you down. You're going to be disappointed. You're going to be frustrated. And because God's the only one that can meet your need, you're going to find that that person that you loved and thought was so special, you're going to find that you're going to begin to demonize them. Going to be so disappointed. They're going to become your enemy. Don't believe me. Look at most marriages today. That person that you were sick and tired of hearing the person who worked beside you talk about how in love they were and what was going on. And now they can't talk anything good about that person. Why? Because what they idolized wrongfully, now it's demonized in their life. Why? Because God has to be your number one. Your spouse is your number two. Then the priorities leave after that. And I believe the priorities after that should go like this, family and then the house of God. You've got to prioritize the house. And really the house of God is up here with number one. Because that's still God. It's still His house. It's not something separate. So it's God and His house, your spouse, then your children, then other things after that. Don't get them in the wrong order. So how can we seek God? Can I, I want to give you something right now. Anyone ever heard of Harvard, Harvard University? Here it's a pretty powerful college, a pretty powerful school. If someone was to tell you that you heard this from Harvard, would you say, oh, that's just speculation? Or would you say, that's probably pretty factual? Who would agree that it's pretty factual if it's coming from Harvard University? If you don't know the answer, the answer is, yes, it is. And so we just want you to know that. Don't be questioning. Yes, it is. I love the fact that a secular institution like Harvard can back up what the Bible has always said. Harvard University did a study, and they found out that it's possible that in marriage you can increase your odds from 50%. So that's one in two. Do you notice that? That's one in two. That's 50% odds. They said you can increase your odds by doing these three simple things to be one in 1,246. If you want to work that out, that's 0.08. So that's less than 1%. So Harvard says for three simple things, you can lower the odds of a 50% marriage that's going to fail or succeed to less than 1%. I think you would be a fool if you didn't say, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. Are you ready? Here's the three simple steps. Number one, pray together. This is Harvard University. Pray together. A family that prays together, they stay together. Prayer is one of those things that we know we need to do it, but we don't. Or we say, well, I don't want to publicly pray. I'm embarrassed. I don't do it. Look what James 5 verse 16 says. James 5 verse 16 says, Confess your trespasses or sins 
to one another. That thought there is not just the massive sins and the bad things. You could write that as your mistakes and failures or even your problems. So look, let's read that again. And it says, as James says, confess, pray about, talk about your problems to your spouse, to one another. Why? Because it goes on to say, and then pray for one another that you may be healed. There's a blessing that comes as we pray for one another. Why? Because the Bible says the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous person, a man or woman, avails much. It's proven right here. That's an availing much. As we pray for each other, we give each other our problems, we talk through things together. How that looks in your life, you need to determine as a husband and wife. It doesn't mean that you have to have your personal time together every day. Kelly and I don't have our personal time together every day. I read my Bible on my own. I pray on my own, but you can find a comfort zone, an area. What we do is this, throughout the day, I'll text her every now and again and I'll say, sweetheart, I'm just praying for you today. And you know what she'll do? She'll text me and say, I know you've got a meeting coming up. I just want you to know I'm praying for you. That's praying for one another, sharing the problems, talking about life together. And in other words, simply put, bringing prayer into your relationship, that prayer becomes a discussion that you have, that you are now praying for each other. You can boost your mealtime prayer. Thank you, God, for this food. Bless it. Instead of just saying that, just add a little bit. You don't have to pray a sermon, but you can pray a prayer like, God, I thank you for this food. Bless it. Bless my family, my wife today. Everything I have, I thank you. I praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. It's not hard to do. A little can go an awful long way. 49% plus more in your advantage by just praying together with your wife. And prayer is something that's very intimate and bonding. So watch out, single people. When you're praying, unmarried people, watch when you're praying and you're joining hands to pray. Watch out, because it can be very bonding. Guys, you know what's really attractive to your wife? And ladies, get ready to shout amen. You know what's really attractive to your wife? It's when you grab her hand and say, sweetheart, can we just pray about it? See, amen. I mean, the lady's like, "Woo, preach. It's attractive. It's attractive. Got to go. Time is up. Number two, discuss God's word together. Reading God's word together. Again, reading together doesn't have to be you read verse 5, I'll read verse 6 and on. It doesn't have to be that you're reading together. But that's what I think is so powerful about the Bible reading plan that we have. And we want every one of you to be a part of that. Come on, let's read the Bible together in a year. It's a personal thing that we can do, but yet it reaps great rewards. So what do you do? You then discuss it together. Ask questions of each other. Bring out points. Encourage other people. And not only with your spouse, do it with your family. What are you reading? What's going on? Can I give you all a laugh? Here's something really funny that happened in our house. Kelly's putting Luke to bed. He reads his Bible every night. He has it played to him and lays in bed every night. He says, Mom, can I tell you? No, she was doing his homework with him. And she said, he said to Mom, Mom, can I tell you what I learned from my Bible last night? Kelly's like, oh, yes, 
praise God, he's getting something. This is incredible. Yeah, Luke, what, what did you learn? He says, I learned that when I get married, my wife's breasts should satisfy me at all times. <laughs> it's the word, he's getting it. He's understanding it. Kelly was like thinking it was going to be this divine revelation. I need to be obedient and need to... My wife's breasts. Bless his heart. Bless his heart. But you know what? Discuss it together. Because even though that's a joke and even though that's funny, it gives us an opportunity to open the door and say, well, that's important and that's why in marriage. And that's why together those things are satisfying. They are a blessing. And that's what God wants us to be happy together. Discuss it, even if it's awkward, even if there's moments. Look what it says in Deuteronomy 6, 6 and 7. It says, and these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. What's in our heart? The Bible says, your word have I hid, David says, in my heart. Look what it says, what needs to be in our heart, the word of God. You shall teach them diligently to your children. And shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, and when you lay down and when you rise up. In other words, the Bible tells us that we need to bring God's word into our everyday lives. Because you're going to be glad that you did it because 1% is a whole lot better than 50% odds. And it's less than 1%. It's not even 1%. Point number three. You okay with me today? Here's number three. You ready? Attend church together. Harvard University. A family that prays together, reads together, attends church together. I I couldn't have written a greater thing out of the Word of God. And this isn't even from the Word of God. This is from a secular institution. But what does that show us? God's Word works. I said God's Word works. Works, works. Well, Pastor Philip, what do I do if I don't have a spouse that attends? Lead them to the house. Someone said to me the other day... You know, I want my spouse to be in church. How can I get them to church? I said, you go. If you're staying at home and not making it a priority, why should someone who is not saved think it should be a priority of their life? They're going to look at you and say, well, why did you not prioritize it? You lead them to the house. You make God's house your priority. And understand this, for this 1% to kick in, we're not talking about just coming to church when you feel like it. We're talking about faithful attendance, praying regularly, reading regularly, being in the house regularly. So important. What would happen, I wonder, if we made church in our homes a don't miss thing? I'm telling you right now, Rob, I don't have to consult my calendar to see what's happening next Sunday. And the Sunday after and the Sunday, incidentally, for every Sunday for the rest of this year, I don't have to look and say, oh, I wonder what's going on. I'm telling you what's going on. Two worship experiences every Sunday morning with some elevation nights and with some baptismal services and some things. Why? Because God's house is a priority. I don't have to get surprised. Oh, they're having church again. Yes, we're having church again. Every week. Every week. 
What happens if we would make it like that instead of just fitting it into our schedule? Oh, well, my family's come in town. Well, tell them, hey, we're going to be in church Sunday morning. Just want you to know that. So if you want to ride with us, we'd love you to be there with us. So we're leaving the house at this time. We don't stay at home because family is in town. We make it a priority because that's what we believe and that's the odds that we want to live by in our life. One of the greatest things my parents taught me, and they taught me a whole lot, but the greatest things they taught me through their example, not just by their words, was when you're in trouble, you run to the house. When you're sick, you run to the house. You live in the house each and every day. They taught us to love the house so much. That's why I'm a pastor today. That's why my family's in the house. Why? Because the love they gave me is the love that I now have. Ask me what's one of the most powerful things outside of my wife and my kids and I'll tell you, I will bleed the house of God. Because I believe in it. Look at this statement. Stay at home parents. Don't raise go to church kids. You want your kids to be in the house? You be in the house. Quit sending them, you bring them. And I'm going to add this, as long as your kids are living in the house, this is how we believe and we teach. You're going to be in church. You're going to be in church. Like Miss D says, you ain't got no wants. I'll want for you. And the want is, you're going to be in church. I I, I wasn't a hardcore drug addict, but I was on drugs as a kid. I was drugged to church on Sunday. I was drugged to church on Wednesdays. I was drugged kicking and screaming sometimes, but they drugged me to church. And I'm thankful they did because now I'm leading a church where other people can come and hear about Jesus. Got to end the message. Luke, Luke 4.16. Luke 4.16. Jesus came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And look what it says. As was his custom. He came home to where he lived. And as was his custom. Meaning what? Every Sunday when he was a kid, he was in church. His parents had it. It was a custom. It was the way he lived. He went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day and he stood up and read. You'll be glad you come to the house because it's going to change your odds. And if it's not going to change your odds of marriage because you ain't married right now, it's going to help you in other areas because you're seeking God. And when you're seeking God, you can be the number two that someone else is looking for. You see, when it's the three of us, we're never going to be disappointed. We've got to get the I and it's about the we. It's about the I. No, it's about the we. Would you bow your heads right now? I thought it was pretty interesting when I wrote on my notes. I said, would you bow your hearts? And that's a good thought too. We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard. But we also know it will be changed as you put God's word into effect. At Heartseas Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless. Master, Savior, I just want-